A national championship winning coach has now hit the market, and Florida Gators fans want him to come to Gainesville, but I don't. And I'm going to tell you why here on Locked On Gators. You are Locked On Gators, your daily podcast on the Florida Gators. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Hello and welcome back to another episode of Lockdown Gators, part of the Lockdown Podcast Network, your team every day. Thanks for making Lockdown Gators your first listen of the day. We're available daily and free wherever you listen to the podcast. Happy Tuesday if you're a Chiefs fan. Happy Super Bowl Tuesday, I guess. Happy Victory Tuesday. I don't know. I recorded the Monday episode before the Super Bowl. So yeah, that, that's why that's all screwed up. But I'm Brandon Olson. Find me on Twitter at WNS underscore Brandon. Written work with whole nine sports and GiantsCountryFSI.com. And I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to jump right into it because I've had multiple people talk to me about Charlie Strong. That's who we're talking about. Um, if you're a Florida Gators fan, I'll say over the age of like 20, 20, you've probably seen Charlie Strong coach the Florida Gators. You might not remember it because, again, if you're 20, you were like, five when he left Gainesville so you might not remember it but pretty much every Gator fan at least knows who Charlie Strong is if you're over 20 or 25 then you probably know more about him um and it's not just oh he was here for championship years Charlie Strong was with Florida in the 80s and then he left and then he came back for a second stint in the 80s and then he left and then he came in the 90s, and he was in the 2000s under both Ron Zook, and then he was the only assistant retained. When Ron Zook got fired, Charlie Strong became the interim head coach. And then Urban Meyer got hired, and Charlie Strong was the only assistant that was retained. It's kind of like when Billy Napier came in and Christian Robinson was the only assistant that might have been retained. It's like that with Urban Meyer, but Charlie Strong actually was retained. And while Charlie Strong was in Gainesville, he was an incredible defensive coordinator. Arguably the best defensive coordinator in the country when he was in Gainesville. Fast forward to a couple head coaching stints, a couple DC stints, a couple uh, an analyst stint, and, and there was a, quite a bit that went on. Um, and then in 2022, spent the whole season with the Miami Hurricanes as the co-defensive coordinator, Miami, co-defensive coordinator with Kevin Steele, which cool for you, I guess. Um, but he spent it with Kevin Steele and as co-defensive coordinator and then Kevin Steele uh, a week to like 10 days ago got hired to go to Alabama as the defensive coordinator. And then Miami hired Lance Guidry from, from Tulane, I guess. I'll, I'll put Tulane in quotes because, you know, he got hired like, what, a month ago? And then left. He was with Marshall before that. And he's been great at the group of five and below. But that is his now first uh, 
that is now his first uh, power five job that he's got, which great for you, Lance. Proud of you. Happy for you. And and I like Tulane, so I'm happy that Tulane got some buyout money from you. But part of it was that they didn't interview and inform Charlie Strong for their open defensive coordinator spot where he was a co-defensive coordinator. So Charlie Strong no longer returning to the Miami Hurricanes for the 2023 season, which then sparked Gators fans to go, should Charlie Strong come back on staff? Uh, because you can make the point where even before he was passed up for the job, when Kevin Steele left, I had Gators fans going, oh, like bring Charlie Strong back. And then he got passed up for the job and said he was leaving Miami and I had Gators fans going, oh, bring bring Charlie Strong back. Here's the thing. Um, no. That, that's that's how I'm going to start. And I have nothing against Charlie Strong. You know, I don't know Charlie Strong. He's not one of the very few coaches that I do know. I don't know Charlie Strong. But I'm curious, if you're a Gators fan, where does Charlie Strong fit in? Like, just I want you to take a second and think about that and just think, where does Charlie Strong fit in on this coaching staff? Because he's not some some fired cast-off that's going to take an analyst job at Florida. He, he's not that kind of guy. Like, he wasn't fired. He was passed up for a job and said, all right, deuces. I, I did the same thing. I used to work retail. And I was like, hey, I should be up for the manager job. And they're like, hey, no. And so I was like, okay. Or sorry, they told me I get it. And then point being... Point being, they told me I get it, and then they didn't give it to me, and so then I left. But that's that's yeah. Well, that's a story for another day. Um, that's like one listener knows the story that I'm talking about. But um, that's that's what we do here. It's personalized for you. But Charlie Strong is not some fired cast off that's going to take an analyst job. He's still a solid coach. But am I confident that Charlie Strong would be a better fit right now than? someone who's highly criticized Jay Bateman, the inside linebackers coach for the Gators. Really? No, I'm not, I'm not confident in that. Jay Bateman's first of all, he's been in his bag as of late. Jay Bateman helped bring in Shamar James. Jay Bateman helped bring in Jaden Robinson. Jay Bateman helped bring in uh, Miles Graham, who is now a five-star according to rivals. He's earned that fifth star and he's going to keep rising. And uh, Jay Bateman helped bring in Adarius Hayes, who is also coming to Gainesville. And the linebackers in 2022 played better than they've played in years under Jay Bateman. Sure, Charlie Strong got Malik Bryant and Robbie Washington and all those other Canes linebackers. I think they brought in like five this past cycle. But those kids are out here tweeting uh, hostage messages uh, about them being so happy and then loving Mario Cristobal in Miami. So I think we know why they really went to Miami. But like, we know the reason. So was it Charlie Strong's recruiting? Don't get me wrong. It's awesome that you get to learn under Charlie Strong. But was it Charlie Strong's recruiting that brought them to Miami? Was it his coaching that brought them to Miami? Or was it money? And and that's why they're dealing with these things. Kevin Steele left and Anton Jackson requested his release from his NLI. That's not a national story on on, uh, on, on ESPN and everything. Granted, obviously, different reasons because there's not $13 million involved. But there's that. Play-wise, look, 
both Florida and Miami had horrible defenses in 2022. No one's going to deny you that they're both bottom half in, in uh, FBS. I think, I think uh, Miami was like the 68th defense and Florida was like 82nd or something like that in terms of points per game. They both had horrible defenses, but I would take year two Patrick Tony and year two Sean Spencer defense with Sean Spencer and Patrick Tony commits and, and their guys. I'll take that. And I'll go through the lumps instead of taking a year one Charlie Strong defense with Patrick Tony and Sean Spencer guys. Because and here's another thing. Here's another way that you know there's no spot for him here, because Gators fans are going make him your DC, or make him your inside linebackers coach, or bring him in as an analyst. That's how you know there's no real fit for him here. That you're talking about all these different positions where one is so. So, so just, just so lacking in value and one is running the damn thing. Like, like, come on, you know, there's no fit for him here then. So the fact that we're going through this whole thing about, well, here's where he could slot in. 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 This is one of those things where you go, oh my God, he's just so amazing. You bring him in. This is, I need this nostalgia to make me feel good. And that's my reasoning for bringing him in because Charlie Strong, as good as he was in the past, as solid as he is now, there is not a good spot for him. Like, obviously, you take him as an analyst if he wants to come here. But I highly doubt he wants to do that. And and I don't I don't see him taking that job of going, yeah, like, I'm, I'm totally cool being an analyst. Why wouldn't I be cool being an analyst? I'm a former head coach, former DC, and I just didn't get fired. But, you know, I'll be an analyst. Like, that, that's realistically, that's not what's going to happen. I would take him as an analyst, but I think that's all I would take him as. So for the Gators fans that are going, make him your DC, make him your that, you are just – you don't want to go through the process of becoming great again. You just want instant gratification and nostalgia days. And guess what, buddy? That's not happening. So buck up or shut up because those those are your two options. That's it. Either either get on board or shut your mouth because that's just how we're going. I understand. You can have your criticisms of Patrick Tony, of Sean Spencer, of Jay Bateman, of, of Billy Napier. You can have your criticisms of everybody. But that doesn't matter. Because this is about building this program back to the days when Charlie Strong was winning the BCF, the BCS National Championship as a defensive coordinator twice in Gainesville. That's what we're trying to do. Build this back up. So I don't care if your little heart wants Charlie Strong to be the defensive coordinator. Because it ain't happening. So get over it. Charlie. And again, I have nothing against Charlie Strong. But... There's not a great fit for him unless he's coming in as an analyst, and that's not happening. So, so sorry, Charlie, but but that ain't what's happening. Now we're talking about we're going to talk about the defensive changes that I would like to see for 2023. But first, today's episode of Lockdown Gators is brought to you by Built Bar. It's a month past the new year. It's oh my goodness, the Super Bowl happened. It, it's flying right now. Okay, 2023 is flying, and sometimes when you're flying. You leave some things behind like a New Year's resolution, but if you want to get back on track with your New Year's resolution, with your diet, with getting in shape, whatever it is, or you want to get a start on getting in shape for the summer because we're like four months away, not even three months away really from when it's going to get nice out. So it's coming up quick. Add Built Bar to your plan. 
Built Bar is coated in 100% chocolate, so you still get that sweet kick that you love, or at least that I love. Most bars have 130 calories, just 4 net carbs, and 17 grams of protein. Also, they are finally in stores. So go to builtorbuiltbar.com, go to your local Walmart, go to Sam's Club, and get Built Bar. Thanks again for making Lockdown Gators your first listen of the day. We're available daily and free wherever you listen to podcasts. And now we're talking about some defensive changes that I would like to see for the Florida Gators in 2023. And none of this is changing the coaching staff. I think that if, you, if you've made it this far into the episode, you know that I am perfectly cool with rolling with this coaching staff and rolling through the lumps. But there are some things that I would like to see changed. And I think the main thing I'd like to see changed in 2023 compared to 2022 is more fire zones. And I'll I'll elaborate on what that is. But creepers, as we all know with Patrick Tony, is a big thing. Creepers is when you don't show a blitz, then you drop at least one traditional rusher into coverage. That's why you'll see the Jack linebacker, that that stand-up edge rusher, you'll see him drop into coverage. And then you replace him by rushing, or sorry, you drop at least one non, or you drop at least one traditional rusher into coverage, and you replace them by rushing the same number of non-traditional rushers. So that's why their formal name is not creepers; it is replacement blitz. Because you'll see the jack linebacker drop in, and then you'll see the nickel start rushing into the star, start rushing in. And guess what? You're still rushing four. You're just rushing them from a different area and you're kind of throwing the offense for a whirl here. And and that's the point where you could do it by dropping two guys into coverage and rushing two non-traditional rushers. No matter what you do, as long as you're dropping the same number of guys and you're rushing the same number of guys, it's a creeper and you're not showing blitz. That's another thing. If you're showing blitz, it becomes a different kind of sim pressure and it's, it's a whole thing. But that's creepers. Fire zone is not showing a blitz like creepers. Dropping at least one traditional rusher into coverage like creepers. And not just replacing that player by rushing a non-traditional rusher, but also sending one additional player. Most commonly, it's you show a four-man front, you you rush three of those four, you drop one into coverage, and then you send two players at it. So you drop this D end and you send the star and an off-ball linebacker right there. And, and that's how we're talking about with fire zones. That's what I want to see. I want you see, I want to see not just you trying to trip people up and not just you trying to trick them, but I want to see you sending additional players to rush the quarterback. I want to see you create not just one-on-ones, but two-on-ones in the sense of we've got three guys rushing your center, guard, and tackle, and then we've got an off-ball linebacker shooting the gap there, and then we've got a star coming in here, and guess what? Good luck blocking that because if you have a tight end on that side, then you're okay, and you can have a little four one-on-ones, and then your running back has to pick somebody up. But if you don't have a if you don't have the tight end on that side and you don't have a running back in pass protection, guess what? Bye-bye, quarterback. You're getting hit. And, and, you know, Coach Vass has a great saying that I love and I, and I love hearing, but the quarterback can't throw, can't see with tears in his eyes. So if you can get that to him and you can, you can give, make his life a living hell, you do that. So I think the biggest thing I'd like to see is more fire zones. Generate more pressure when you're losing the NFL talent that is Brenton Cox Jr. and Javon Dexter. And I don't care if you like them or not. They're NFL talents. They're going to be playing on Sundays this season. So. You lost them. You can try to replace them with Antoine Powell Ryland and Prince Liam on Mialine is already 
arrived, but you're going to have to generate some more pressure somehow. That should probably be the way to do it, especially when you have such a young back seven at this point with your linebackers and DBs. They're going to be young. No matter which combination you make, they're going to be young. So that's how you go, okay, well, guess what? You're all doing, you're all young. We're just going to generate more pressure then, and you can kind of learn on the fly as we go there. Another thing I would like to see is more positional versatility from this defense. You know, we, we saw a few guys move around the formation and, and play some different roles, but I'd like to see more of it. Like, I'd like to see more of it in different areas and more frequently. We saw Chris McClellan last year play a bit of one tech and a bit of three tech. I would like to see him play like a 50-50 split of them and just move around and, and just let him cause havoc. Like I've said with Chris McClellan specifically for this whole offseason, I've said my dream for him this season is that he is not a starter, but he is the primary rotational player for both the three tech and the one tech. That's what I want to see. You take out Des Watson, you bring in Chris McClellan. You take out whoever starting at the three tech, you move Chris McClellan over and you bring Desmond Watson back in. That's what I want to see because Chris McClellan is a special type of interior player where you can see already based on his skill set, people are going to love him. Like, like NFL teams will love him when they see his positional versatility. If he continues the trajectory he's on, he contributed more as a freshman defensive tackle in the SEC than I think any of us anticipated because, and by contributed, I mean, didn't just play, but played well. And because of that, he's going to pick up interest and he's going to pick up some more uh, attention there. Hell, Throw Shamar James in at Jack linebacker every now and then and just let him operate. Oh, are we running creepers and we're dropping our our Mike or Will, whatever he's going to play, probably Will, but are we going creepers and we're dropping our Will into coverage and you're expecting him to be a pass rusher? Guess what? That throws a wrench into the offense's game plan. Do that. Cause havoc. We've spent so much time this offseason and even during the season when talking about recruiting, about talking about Jakeem Jackson. And we go, is Jakeem Jackson an outside corner? Which he, he's he's going to play outside corner. We know that. But we've spent so much time going, is Jakeem Jackson an outside corner? Is he going to play star? Is he going to be in that safety? What is Jakeem Jackson going to do? Let him play all three spots. Again, he's going to be playing outside corner way more often than anything else. But just for the purpose of the example, that's what I'm talking about. You could say the same with Miguel Mitchell. Miguel Mitchell at star or safety. He's going to play safety, but he played star more last year. He moved around a bit last year. Let him do that once again because he was good at that. So that's what I'm saying. Let these players be themselves and be free. Don't put them in a box. It's it's the discussion that we've had with Isaiah Simmons when he was coming into the draft. And it's David Collins when he's coming into the draft. Ironically enough, both both to the Cardinals. Um, but Isaiah Simmons, was, is he a safety? Is he an uh, inside linebacker? Is he a big slot? Is he a, an edge rusher? What is he? Figure it out. Just put him everywhere. He's good at everything. Zayvon Collins, is he an edge rusher? Is he an off-ball linebacker? Screw it. Play him at both. Just move him around every now and then. That's what I'm trying to see because now we've seen offenses embrace the positionless offense. I need defenses to start embracing positionless defense because the people just in general, people are getting more athletic as we go on. 
Imagine bringing those athletes and using them to their best ability. Oof. I need to see it, PT and Sean Spencer. I need to see it from both of you. We're about to talk about the Gators in the Super Bowl because, oh boy, yet again, Gators come away with a ring. But first, today's episode of Locked On Gators is brought to you by FanDuel. We're at the midway point of the NBA season. The trade deadline just passed. Kyrie is a Mav? Ew, first of all, because he's Kyrie and he just sucks as a human being. But woof. That's going to be fun. Now is the perfect time to download FanDuel, America's number one sportsbook, because new customers get a no-sweat first bet up to $1,000. That means if you make a bet of $1,000, you get bonus bets back if your first bet doesn't win. If you win, you don't get the bonus bet because you get money. But if you miss and you lose, then you get bonus bets. And you just download the FanDuel Sportsbook app. It's safe. It's secure. It's super easy to use. Then you can bet on everything from the money line to point scorers to leading point scorers in that game to threes made, which speaking of threes made, I'm going to let you know this now. It's Monday. The Knicks and the Nets, like at the time of recording this, it's right before the Knicks and the Nets play. And I'm a Knicks fan. So when the Knicks and the Nets play, I'm going to tell you now, I've bet Mikel Bridges because he has been money since going to the Nets in his like one or two games. But still, he has been money since he got traded to arguably the best spaced team in the East with the Nets. So do that. I also took Josh Hart rebounds because Josh Hart's a dog on the boards, even though he's a shooting guard, rebounding guard. Don't miss your chance to get your no sweat first bet up to $1,000 in bonus bets. And you can do it with the best sports book in America. Go to fanduel.com slash locked on. That's fanduel.com slash locked on to learn more. Thanks again for making Lockdown Gators your first listen of the day. We're available daily and free wherever you listen to the podcast. And like I said, we're talking about Gators in the Super Bowl. We're talking about three specific Gators in the Super Bowl because, yes, I know that Tyree Cleveland was on a practice squad. I know that LaMichael Pirine is on a practice squad and got a ring. And there, there are guys on practice squads. Fred Johnson's on one of the practice squads. There's guys that are on practice squads, but we're talking about three main Gators. Tommy Townsend, I'm not talking about. I'm sorry. I apologize, Tommy. I love punters. Punters are people too. But I mean, dude had two punts in the Super Bowl. It was, it was just a great game. Um, but one guy who also had two meaningful touches, Kadarius Tony, the young joker, one catch in the Super Bowl, five yards in the Super Bowl. One touchdown in the Super Bowl. Also, I don't know if you saw that I retweeted it, but one of my friends bet uh, it was Hertz, Kelsey, and Kadarius Tony to score touchdowns, and he bet $4,000 on it, and he made $82,000 on it. So uh, drinks and dinner on on, on him <laughs> for everybody. Um, but Kadarius Tony, <clears throat> one catch, five yards, one touchdown. He now has also the record for the longest punt return in Super Bowl history, Kadarius Tony, a 65-yard punt return, and it was immediately following his five-yard touchdown. Obviously, not immediately following, but the drive following it was after that 65-yard punt return, where he once again did Kadarius Tony things, and the man does not have ligaments in his knees or in his, in his legs in general. I refuse to believe it because he got stopped up reversed across field and just ran straight. Like he didn't even do it. He reversed like before the reverse was an incredible play. 
And then he just reversed and it was like, okay, dude, like I'm just running straight. Like that's all I'm doing at this point. Um, But it's set up, by the way, another Chiefs touchdown on the next play called, guess what? The same play we just scored on just to the opposite side into Sky Moore instead of Kadarius Tony. And also importantly, Kadarius Tony got himself a ring. I am a little heartbroken about it. You guys know I write for Giants Country. I am a Giants fan and I am pissed that he got traded. But again, it was like he didn't want to be a Giant. There's there's nothing else to do about it. He didn't want to be a Giant. Can't do anything about that. But there's that also who got a ring. Carlos Dunlap, who this season crossed 100 sacks for the first, or not for the first time, but crossed 100 sacks in his career. He did that this season. Won the first playoff game in his career. And got himself a ring. So he came into the season with three goals. Hit 100 sacks. Win a playoff game. Win a ring. And he did all that in this one season. I would not be shocked if he came out at some point this offseason and was like, all right, guys. Deuces. I'm out. You know, I, I, I had three goals and I did them all in my one year with the Chiefs. So, yeah, great, great game for him. Uh, he did have two pressures. He had a, a run stop, which, again, a run stop is a gain of three or less in the run game or passing game. But, again, we're talking about in the running game specifically. So, Carlos Dunlap did that and got himself a ring. And then, of course, someone who I uh, I love, and I know Gators fans are kind of torn on, Chauncey Gardner-Johnson, first of all, booming hit on Isaiah Pacheco. And then he hit him really hard again. He just hates Isaiah Pacheco, and that's fine. Chauncey Gardner-Johnson was also one of two Eagles defenders to play every snap in the game, which is incredible. And I will say this about Chauncey Gardner-Johnson's Super Bowl performance or Super Bowl appearance. Honestly, I was a little underwhelmed by it. Not by his play, but by his usage. I was going into the Super Bowl saying, okay, every third down, we're going to see Chauncey Gardner-Johnson playing man-to-man coverage against Travis Kelsey. And that just didn't happen. And that sucked. It was still a great game. It was awesome to watch. Um, I for Just for the record, I think that holding call at the end was stupid and just made no sense. That ball was uncatchable. The hold had nothing to do with the play anyway. Like so, I I hate that. That's how that that's the the lasting mark we get from the Super Bowl. So that really sucked. But again, hey, if you play better for the other for the remainder of the game, one play can't screw you over, right? Okay then. So that that's what I'll say about that. But thanks for making Lockdown Gators your first listen of the day. We're available daily and free wherever you listen to the podcast. We'll be back tomorrow to talk more Florida Gators football and. Unless some news hits and changes things, I am intending on talking about Cam Rising's ACL injury because I think that's a huge, as much as it sucks, a huge benefit for Florida for 2023. Thanks for making Lockdown Gators your first listen. Again, for your second listen, check out Lockdown SEC hosted by Chris Gordy of Sports 790. Get the best coverage on the best conference, including the best university, University of Florida. For Lockdown Gators, I'm Brandon Olson. Don't forget to follow me on Twitter at WNS underscore Brandon. Find my written work with whole nine sports and Giants country of SI.com. And I will see you all tomorrow.